John chapter 4 is where we're going to be at today, and we're actually going to begin, um, I'm going to read the last verse of John chapter 3 as we go through the first six verses of John chapter 4. So if you want to read that with me, the last part of that chapter 3, that last part of verse 24 says, and by this we know that he abides in us. By the Spirit whom He has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you illuminate your word to us this morning, please? God, we ask that as we open up Your word, you would open up our hearts. As we open up your word, you would open up our ears. We pray that as this word goes forth this morning, your Holy Spirit would go forth, would lead us into the truth and teach us and shape us. And it is in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. All right. um, Let's... Start this morning by summarizing. First of all, let me just say, thank you for putting up with me. You guys, my father is recovering, as I said already, and so hopefully he'll be with us next week. We'll see. Uh, But he's doing much better. So let's start by going back and summarizing chapter, I mean, uh, the book of 1 John. Let's start, start by kind of summarizing, surveying what we've already kind of gone over, what we've covered. Um. But before I do that, I want to actually summarize my, what I want us to get out of our text today because we're going to go over a lot of stuff. And I just want to tell you at the very outset, here's what I want you to take away from this. Here's what I want you to take away. As a Christian, you are from God. Little children, you are from God. And so you are to reject every other contrary word and listen only to God's word. You are from God and you are to listen to God only and reject every other contrary word. And so particularly, that is the word that he spoke by his apostles and the prophets. That is the Bible. That is the Holy Scriptures. Particularly, that's what we're talking about as Christians. You are to listen to the word of God. The Bible is to be your standard, in other words. The Bible is to be your Standard. It is your guide to your entire existence. It is your rule for your entire existence. There's no part of your life 
that you get to go to another standard to operate by. The Bible is, is your standard. So let's go back and let's look at 1 John. 1 John 1, you'll see that John is writing, he says, these things, these things that have been from the beginning and that he and the apostles have heard, seen, looked upon, and touched concerning the word of life. And he says, he is writing, he is testifying that joy may be complete. Your Bible may say that your joy, your Bible may say that our joy. The point is, it is that joy may be complete. That joy may be complete. In other words, he's writing to exhort the believers to continue on faithfully. He's writing to assure us of God's love and God's faithfulness. If you look, if you read John's letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, they are so straightforward. It is so straightforward. And sometimes maybe we want to complicate them or sometimes we want to say, well, wow, this is a deep mystery. What does he mean? If you love God, keep my commandments. Hmm, that's tricky. Um, but it is so straightforward and John's call to Christians is be faithful because God is faithful. Let me tell you about God's faithfulness. Here it is. Now you, Christians, be faithful. And so he's exhorting to say, continue faithfully. And he's, he's writing to assure us of God's love and God's faithfulness. And so if we continue faithfully loving, faithfully obeying, if we are fully assured of God's love and God's faithfulness to us, toward us, John says that will be a recipe for joy, for complete joy in your life. That will be a recipe. If you continue faithfully, if you love faithfully, if you obey faithfully, and you recognize God's love and God's faithfulness to you, that will be a recipe for joy in your life. That's what he says in the first chapter. In chapter 2, John brings up the darkness of the world, and he tells us that we are not to love the world or the things of the world. He says the desires of the flesh... The desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions or the pride of life. These are the temporal things that would distract you. These are the temporal things that will cause you to seek something other than the kingdom. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in possessions. This is the darkness of the world. Don't go there. Don't look there. Don't, don't. Be bent over there. Seek the kingdom. Look at God. Go to the light. Um, if you're hungry, seek the kingdom. If you're naked and cold, seek the kingdom. If you, are, um, if you want possessions for the kingdom's sake, don't seek the possessions. Seek the kingdom. You see? We want, as good Christians, you should want, you know, possessions to build the kingdom. You know, for your family, you should want that stuff. But if you start to look for that stuff for the kingdom's sake, you're going to miss it all. You look for the kingdom and guess what? God provides whatever else he wants to provide to you. Okay? Seek the kingdom. And then, there, uh, and then in chapter 2, we are warned of antichrist. Antichrist. Who are opposed to the teaching of the apostles. When the I don't know if you noticed, but in the text that I read today, John says, uh, look, uh, he says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. That can sound kind of, eh, why didn't he just say listens to God? Because that's what the apostle did say. He says, listens to us. We are speaking as the oracles of God. This is the word of God that God is giving to the church. Listen to us. 
Because if you reject us, you're rejecting God's word. You reject us, you're rejecting God's word. And this is what the apostles say um, in chapter 2. warns of those who are opposed to the teachings of the apostles, to the teaching of Christ that the apostles are laying out. And he says these antichrists deny the father and they deny the son. These false prophets or these false teachers went out from the apostles, but they were not of them. In other words, they went out from the apostles claiming to be teaching God's truth, claiming to be speaking the word of God, but as their teaching was anti-Christ, they were not of the apostles. This is one of those places where we kind of take it to mean like Christians who leave the faith, they were never of us. We go to verses like this. This verse is actually talking about false teachers. Now, whether that applies there is another discussion, but the um, to the you know, regular church folk. But the point here that John is actually making is that these false teachers who were part of the apostles, who were, who were a part of our group, they were teaching like we were teaching. They've gone out from us because they were not of us. And how do we know? Because their teaching is opposed to our teaching. Their teaching is opposed to Christ. And so he says they go out because they are not of. They, they, otherwise, they would have continued with the apostles. They would have continued with their teaching but they didn't. Um, And that's, by the way, the same teaching we have today from the apostles. That's called our Bible. We can trust this. Then in chapter three, John continues to assure believers of God's faithfulness and to exhort them to faithful obedience. He goes on. uh, God is faithful, be faithful. God is holy, be holy. God is pure, be pure. This is what Peter writes also. God is holy, be holy. And then, at the end of John, uh, 1 John chapter 3, where John, for the first time in his letter, explicitly mentions the person of the Holy Spirit. This is where we picked up reading today. He explicitly mentions the person of the Holy Spirit. And he says, this, by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Now, of course, I want you to remember, you know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, there were no chapter and verses when John wrote this letter. And so when he says at the end of what we see is chapter three, for reference, great, handy, lovely, but what we see at the end of there flows right nicely into what we see at the beginning of chapter four. And so he says, by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit, by the pneuma, whom he has given us. And then he immediately follows in chapter four and he says, beloved, do not believe every spirit. Same word. In your Bible, the one is capitalized because it's talking about the Holy Spirit maybe. But then the the very next time he uses it at the beginning of chapter four, it's the same word. He's not talking about the Holy Spirit now. Uh, Do not believe every spirit, every pneuma, but test the spirits, the pneuma, whether they are of God. And John goes on, I think, to use that word pneuma like nine more times within that little section there, chapter four. And so he says, test the spirits. Why mustn't we believe every spirit, but we should test the spirits? Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many imposters are out there. Have you noticed that? If you ever watched, you know, like the Christian TV section, there are many imposters out there. And all they really want is for you to buy their dried food that, you know, is, you're going to need when the world collapses. You know, they really just want you to buy their special water that they got out back from the hose, you know, whatever. They are, there are imposters. And so he says, test the spirits. Why? Because there are many imposters. Not everybody who says they're from God is actually from God. 
And so these imposters have gone out. We can use the phrase from the song we sang this morning. They go out muttering and chirping. They go out seeking to usurp the words of the prophets, the true prophets. The false ones go out arguing against and denying the word of God. They go out um, denying the teaching of the apostles. They go out rejecting the Bible. Ephesians uh, 2, 19, the second part of that verse in 20 says, we are members of the household of God. We are members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. What is the foundation that we are built on? Christ, yes, right? How do we know who Christ is? How do you know who Christ is? It's because of God's revelation to us that tells us who Christ is. We have seen him. How have we seen him? Hopefully you don't say, well, I had a dream one time when I was, you know, 13 at youth camp and we threw the pine cones in the fire. I had a dream and I've seen him. No, you better have seen him more clearly than that. You better have seen him more clearly and you see him through his word, through his word. You see him through the word of God that's given to us, through the prophets, through the apostles, okay? Somebody can come to you and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I know Jesus. And they start to describe Jesus, and then all of a sudden you say, oh, that's not the Jesus I'm thinking of. Do you know Mr. Smith? Yeah, I know Mr. Smith. Describe him for me. And they say, you know, they give you their description. You say, well, wow, nope, that's nothing like the Mr. Smith I know. How do we know Jesus? How do we know the true Jesus? Through the word of God. Through the word of God. It's revealed through the apostles and the prophets. And so we know then John is talking about the Holy Spirit in the first case. And then from the context, he goes on to use the same word pneuma with regard to what we should not believe, but rather what we should test. He, um, we understand he's talking about the pneuma, the breath of those false prophets or those teachers. Just like when we think of the Holy Spirit, we could think of it as the breath of God in us. The, what is the breath in them? Halitosis. What's the breath in them? It's not the Holy Spirit. What? What? So, so, so. Um, you can think back to Adam. Think back to Adam. Adam. God forms Adam from the dust of the ground. God forms Adam from the dust of the ground. But then what? Then what does he do? He breathes the breath of life into Adam. He breathes the breath, and then Adam comes alive. Okay? It's, it's like John is saying, what is their animating power? What, what's inside of them that's coming out? What is their breath? What is their breath? Your breath, children of God, is the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who abides with you, who abides in you. What is their breath? It's not the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of the evil one. It's an evil spirit. It's a false spirit. And so what is the breath in them? What spirit are they of? And so God, uh, John reminds us that God abides in us by his spirit whom he has given us, the Holy Spirit of truth, that Jesus promised in John 16, Jesus promised that this Holy Spirit of truth would guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is that animating power. It's the thing that guides you into all truth. How are we to test the spirits to see whether they are from God? How? Well, the answer is that we are to test their words. We test their words. We test their fruit. Um, we test their doctrine or their teaching. What are they saying? What are they teaching? 
And we do this by relying on the Holy Spirit to guide us. It's not, in other words, it's not by our own authority that we test their words. We don't say, let me hear what you got to say. Mm, no, I don't like that. I don't like that. I would rather do this. I would rather think this. That's not how we test the words. We test by the Spirit. Now, when I say we are to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us, for some people, they think of spooky spiritual, like a Ouija board. You know, it's like we all shut our eyes and we kind of hum lowly, and then the Ouija board moves automatically where it wants to go to communicate to us. When I say we are to be, uh, rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us, unfortunately, many Christians think that way. It's like, okay, where am I going? You're going to guide me. Um, it's not like that. That is not what it's like. The word of God is the lamp to our feet. The word of God is the lamp to our feet. The word of God is what guides us. And it's not that the word of God is the Holy Spirit. Don't hear that. But it's that the spirit leads us into the truth. The spirit leads us into the truth. Um, and so uh, we are led by the spirit, by the word of God as the spirit leads us through the word of God. It leads us to know what God says. And so we shouldn't talk like this. God told me. God told me this. God told me that. Unless you follow that up by, in Isaiah chapter 8. Um, what you should talk like is that this is, this is what God has revealed to us. This is what wisdom means. This is what God teaches us. This is what we're supposed to do. Um, so how do we know where to go next or what to do next? The word of God. The word of God. Um, John says in verse 2, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. If we try to test the spirits, the doctrine, the teaching, the word, by any other means, by any other standard than God himself, you will fail to have tested the spirit. You'll fail to have tested. You've just jumped right in with them as this um, other word, this contrary word. Um, if we look ahead to John chapter 5, verse 20. Somebody grab that. I need, I need, I'm sorry. I've got to go to the restroom really bad. So somebody grab John 5, 20, and then I'll be right back. You know what? You think that that was just funny, but I... Well, it's a good thing I didn't leave the mic on, but um, I did. I was That was pretty fast. That's because I had to go really bad. Um... <laughs> Did you guys already read 1 John 5.20? Good. And then you waited for me? See, 1 John 5.20. You know what? I probably did because I was thinking about other things at the moment. Um, you probably, you know, that was not planned. That's all right. That is, a, he is sovereign. And it is a message about being led by the Spirit. I should have done that before I started, but I didn't. Why not? Because I was thinking about all the other things. And so I, was fail I failed to be led by the Spirit at that point. But I did mute my mic. So, all right, where was I? First John 5.20, did somebody get that? Somebody read that to me. Read that out. The Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. So, sorry. You want me to keep going? No. Okay. Is, that, is that the end of the verse? Oh, sorry, go ahead. This is the true God and eternal life. Yes. Um, so we, when 
we try the spirits, it's not a matter of knowing all the false. What is it a matter of knowing from that verse? The truth. It's a matter of knowing Jesus. He says, um, by, so that we may know him who is true. We don't, know, we don't need to lear, worry about learning all of the false, all, the, all of the false things, all the false doctrines, all the false teachings. We learn him who is true. And so we test the spirits. It's not a, about knowing what is false. It's about knowing what is true. Knowing what is true. Apart from God revealing himself, could you know what is true? No. No. Apart from God revealing himself, you could not know God. Apart from God revealing himself to creation, we could not know God. Um, and so he's revealed himself to every human being, either through his natural revelation, that is creation, where Paul says his invisible attributes are clearly seen, or through his special revelation, that is the scriptures that we are, that we are given. And, and as Christians, we believe. As Christians, we believe God's special revelation. So if you know who is true, you'll be able to discern what is false. And it does not mean that we will never make a mistake, that we'll never believe a false thing, that we'll never make, uh, make a mistake and be led astray, maybe even for just a moment. We will, we will make mistakes. We will believe false things and have to be, um, have our minds renewed by the word of God, be sanctified, washed, and cleaned by the word of God. Um, and so as we grow and as we mature, as long as we are in these bodies, in this flesh, that, that's going to be our reality. We're going to learn. We're going to have to leave the things that are not right. We're going to grow up in our knowledge of Christ. And we're going to have to, at times, say, I was wrong. I know that's none of the guys ever have to say that. It's just the ladies, right? We have to, at times, say, I was wrong. And you have to go with the right thing. I'm just joking. It's all the ladies who are right. And the guys, um, you know what I mean? We shouldn't think that just because we're Christians that we'll never make a mistake, that we're kind of immune to being deceived or be, believing a false thing. We need to constantly test the spirits, and we do that by the word of God. We do that by the word of God. Um, so John says this, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That may sound simplistic, and it's true that it is a very simple statement. Um, it's a very simple standard, but it is a simple statement that has great depth. John is not saying, John is not saying that anyone who confesses that Jesus was a real human being is from God. He's not saying anyone who confesses that um, Jesus was really a, a real person is from God. Did you know the Mormons believe Jesus was a real person? They are a cult. The many Muslims believe Jesus was a real person. They are certainly not in the truth. Um, many Democrats even believe this, that Jesus was a real person. Secularists believe this, that Jesus was a real historical figure. But if you pay attention to what John is saying here, you're going to see that the confession goes much deeper than just saying, oh, he was a historical figure. He really lived and breathed. And what 
what is the depth of that confession? Well, it's made up of three parts. So he says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. It's made up of three parts then. Who is Jesus? Where did he come from in the flesh? And why? Who is Jesus? Where did he come from? And why? So, do you remember how John began this letter? He began this letter, that which was from the beginning. And he tells us, uh, in his gospel account, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So to confess that Jesus Christ has come, John Calvin says it like this. He says, to confess that Jesus Christ has come is to conclude that he was before with the Father. To confess that Jesus Christ has come is to conclude that he, Jesus, was before with the Father. He came. Where did he come from? He came from the Father. He came from heaven. He came from before. Um, and so, it is, a, um, it is a confession. It is an affirmation that Jesus Christ is God. He is eternally divine. He is eternally divine. Well, we've just lost the Mormons and the Muslims and the secularists and everybody else. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That is also to confess that God condescended to us in the flesh. This means that God was born. God was born. He sucked at his mother's breast. God was born. He sucked at his mother's breast. He bled. He ate. He went to the restroom. Probably at more opportune times than I just did. But he did. Jesus Christ partook in our weakness except that he was free from a sin nature. He was without sin. He was perfectly sinless. So Jesus Christ came in the flesh. God condescended, the eternally divine Jesus Christ condescended to us in the flesh. Paul says in Philippians 2, 7, he emptied himself. He emptied himself. What did he empty himself from? His divinity? No. He emptied himself of his glory. And he put on human flesh in another kind of glory. He made himself nothing. He made himself of no reputation. Jesus Christ, who is God, became a man. Amen. And the last thing the confession naturally um, includes then is to answer the question, why? Why did God come to us in the flesh? Why? And we who believe, we who have believed the good news, know the answer to that, don't we? He came to save us. He came to save his people from their sin. He came to testify to the truth. He came to destroy the works of the devil. 
He came to make a way for us to have fellowship with him and with God the Father. Why did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? To make a way for us to have fellowship with him and with the Father. This is what John started his letter with. We're testifying to this Jesus who came so that you can have, that we can have fellowship with one another and our fellowship is with Jesus and with God, the Father. John is talking about so much more than just affirming the historicity of a man named Jesus who may or may not have been a good teacher. He's not just saying, affirm the historicity of Jesus, who may or may not have been a good teacher. When we went out to the um, pride affair to be salt and light, I got to tell numerous people that day what the Bible says. I got to to tell numerous people that day, God is love. They said, love is love. And we got to tell people, God is love. That's what the Bible says. We got to tell people, sin is sin. We got to say to sinners, God, who is love, has made a way for you, sinners, to call out to him and be reconciled to the Father. It was, it was beautiful. We, I mean, we got to tell a lot of people that. In fact, we had these people who were following us around everywhere we went. And I'm like, this is great. I get to tell you this all day from two to six. And they couldn't stand it. You know why they couldn't stand it? I'll tell you why. I got to proclaim the good news that sinners could call upon the name of God and repent from their sin. They didn't want to hear it. But you know what? These people objected. You know what they objected to? They objected to, not to Jesus. They didn't object to Jesus. In fact, it's so funny because what they said was, you're not being very much like Jesus. And I said, well, that's not what the Bible says. They said, oh, the Bible's written by a bunch of manipulative men way after Jesus was born. We don't know what Jesus taught. So then I said, well, then how do you know he'd be on your side? But for some reason, they all wanted Jesus on their side. They all affirmed, they were happy to affirm that Jesus was a real historical figure and they all wanted him on their side. It was interesting. But so they were happy to affirm that a man named Jesus was an actual person. They were happy to affirm that and they were happy to affirm that and they wanted him to be with them, not with us. But it wasn't until, um, it wasn't until it got to his divinity or his kingship, all of a sudden they said, no, 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 we don't want that. And then then it was clear, well, you're talking about a different Jesus. Because the Jesus of the Bible is eternally divine and he is the reigning king. He's the king. No, 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 our Jesus is just a, you know, a hippie and he's friends with us. No, Jesus is the king of kings. And so they were happy to affirm a historical Jesus, but they did not want to affirm a Jesus who had any say over what they should do in their life. They didn't want to affirm a Jesus who was the Jesus that the apostles and the prophets revealed to us in the scriptures. And they denied that Jesus. They denied his deity. They denied his kingship. They denied his reign. 
They all wanted Jesus to be on their side, but the best they could do was wish and dream. Wish and dream that Jesus would agree with them. Well, we don't really know what Jesus actually taught because the Bible, which is all we have about Jesus, was written by manipulative guys way after. So all they were left with was wishing and dreaming that Jesus would be their friend, not my friend. Be on their side, making their arguments, not making our arguments. But we are not left to wish and dream. We are not left to wish and dream that Jesus is saying what we think he's saying. And in fact, if that's the way we're thinking of it, it's all wrong. John says, test the spirits. How do we do that? How do we know? We go back to the word of God. What has God revealed? We go back to the standard. We're not left wishing and dreaming. We are giving, we are given a testimony. Again, this is what John says at the beginning of the letter. We have seen him. We've looked at at him with our eyes. We've handled him with our heads. And now here we are testifying to you. Testifying to you. And so um, the people out there that day were antichrist. That's not an ugly, that's not a, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying calling them a name like they were jerks. I'm saying they were antichrist. They were those who are opposed to the apostles' teaching of Christ. They are those who are opposed to the doctrine of Christ. They were opposed to that doctrine. They were antichrist. They were denying Jesus Christ came in the flesh. John said some thousands of years ago that the spirit of the antichrist is in the world already. You know, we should not be looking like the Left Behind series might lead us to believe that for like one antichrist guy, figure, if that's what we're doing, we're, we're probably missing the spirit of the Antichrist that is all around us and we're letting it seep in and influence us unknowingly because we're so focused on trying to find the one guy who's the Antichrist. John says the Antichrist is here. The spirit of the Antichrist is here. He said this way back then and guess what? I can tell you, if you've ever talked to an unbeliever, you'll know too that it's still here. That they are still here. And by the way, you were one of them before Christ saved you. So, um, part of the job of biblical elders, and we're learning about this in our biblical eldership class that we have once a month. Part of the job of biblical elders is to guard the flock from false teachers. And I will tell you that with the advent of TV and social media and YouTube, uh, this, that is quite an imposing task because you and I, we are bombarded constantly with words. We are bombarded constantly, not just even from external. I mean, we're bombarded with our own thoughts, our own sinful desires and deceptions. We are constantly bombarded with nice looking people, with nice sounding messages that are false. So ultimately, while your elders will be judged according to their work, their, your elders will be judged according to their work, but ultimately, you, Christian, are responsible to test every spirit. You are responsible to test every spirit. See whether it's from God. When, when that... Uh, nice looking preacher comes across your news feed, you are responsible to test 
the spirit and see if this guy's telling the truth. Is he telling the truth? And that may sound um, scary or too hard, but little children, you are from God. Little children, you are from God. And you have overcome them. Why? Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You have the reigning king of kings living inside of you. You have the reigning king of kings living inside of you. You are on his side. They are not. You are on his side. They are not. That means you win. That means even if you die, you win. He is your life. He is your wisdom. He is your righteousness. He is your sanctification. He is your redemption. Paul says, he is your life, your wisdom, your righteousness, your sanctification, and your redemption. Trust him. It may sound scary. It may sound too hard. But believe. Believe. But I don't understand. Then believe so that you may understand. Believe. And realize that's not, that is not checking your brains at the door. That is engaging <laughs> your brains more than any secularist would ever be capable of. Uh, you give up God, you give up common sense, Chesterton said. So those who are in the world, who are in the dark, God-hating, truth-suppressing, evil world system that Satan rules over. By the way, he rules over those, he rules over that system like, you know, a too tough for his britches prison gang leader. That's the way he rules. So don't get confused when I say he rules over this system. He is the, he is a subservient power to the almighty God. And he does nothing apart from God's perfect will to allow him to do. And so this world system, this dark truth, uh, truth suppressing, God hating evil system, um, those people will speak from that system. They will speak from that system and the world will listen to them because they're all part of the same group. They will not listen to you and you should not listen to them. They'll say things like, there's nothing sinful about homosexuality. There's nothing sinful about that. Well, that's not what the Bible says. They'll say, there's, abortion's not murder. And we say, that's not what the Bible says. Abortion is murder. Homosexuality is sinful. They will say, if you don't get vaccinated with one of our vaccines that use fetal, aborted fetal cells, then you're committing murder. And we say, mm, I think you've missed something here. Abortion, you ha I mean, I don't know if you've followed any of the arguments lately, you know, especially from the um, law that has just gone into effect in Texas. But this is, this is the delusion of the world. Abortion's not murder, but if you don't get vaccinated, you're committing murder. They will say things like, um, we think your private property is unfair and so we're going to tax it and we're going to take it. This is the world. This is what the world does. 
They call evil good and good evil. The world says, I think you need to pay for us to indoctrinate kids. And if you don't, we're going to steal your house. The world calls evil good and good evil. They say, the world says, there is no God and we hate him. (laughs) So Doug Wilson says, this is the two tenets of atheism. Number one, there is no God. And number two, we hate him. That's what the world says. There is no God and we hate him. But whoever knows God listens to his word. Little children, you are from God. You listen to his voice. Whoever knows God listens to his apostles and to his prophets. Whoever knows God goes to the word. They acknowledge those things that the apostles wrote to us. Paul says that they are a command of the Lord and they are true. That is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That's how we know. It's fitting, isn't it? That this week we're beginning our Bible reading challenge. That this week we are going to the word. We're beginning that. So as we end, this is what I want to end with. Who are you listening to? Whose words are coming out from your heart and mouth each day? Whose words are guiding your life? Whose words? Whose words are seeding your thoughts? What are you thinking? What are you consumed with thinking about? What are, your, what are you thinking about? What, are, what, are, what is your thought life What does it look like? What is it consumed with? And then ask yourself, who is seeding my thoughts? Is it the apostles and the prophet and the word of God? Or is it the world? Whose words are you fearing and obeying? Whose words? It's fitting that tomorrow we're starting this. I'm telling you. I didn't, we didn't plan the timing and the dates and all this stuff, but I want you, you can listen to all the voices out there. And some of them are good voices and some of them are bad voices. Some of them are good enough voices that you don't need to be listening to. Some of them are good voices that you need to not listen to. How are you gonna, how are you gonna know how to traverse that? What podcasts, what books, what things to listen to? Well, number one, go to the word. And number two, part of this is God gives us, God gives us um, authorities in our life. God gives kids, parents, and teachers, right? This is why bad teachers are really dangerous because where are they gonna send them? Away from God. But God gives us, as Christians, God gives us parents who are gonna say, to the word. We're gonna say, that's not what the word says. And of course, we don't look at kids and expect them to know all of the things. You should not think to yourself, how am I supposed to just know all of the word? You don't have to know all of the word. You must go to the word. You don't have to know all of the word because God has given you, if you're here today, God has given you a church pastor who will take you to the word, who will help you when you start to veer as long as you are open and honest as long as you're living in fellowship and community loving, you know, not hiding in the dark. And so, um, you are bombarded with words 
uh, from every side. From every side. And whose word are you fearing? Whose word are you obeying? Obeying. If you want to know the truth, stop Googling and go to the word. There is so much insanity going on right now, isn't there? So much insanity. If you want to know the truth, stop Googling and go to the word. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, let's prepare to come to the table. At this table, Christ is offered to you. Christ is offered to us. And so I want to tell you right now that this is, this is the part of the service where we do the altar call. This is the part of the service where we do the altar call. And it's not an every head bowed, every eye closed kind of a moment. It's a everybody open your eyes, everybody look around. This is the place where Jesus comes and offers himself to you. You may have never taken that, taken him up on that ever before. And this is the place where he offers um, himself to you now, right now. He is offering himself to you now. His word is offered to you today. So, whether it's for the first time or whether it is yet again this week, come and welcome to Jesus Christ. Church, come. Please stand. This is the charge today. I want you to consider what you are listening to. Consider what your days are looking like. What... Um, are you testing the spirits and by what standard are you testing the spirits? By what standard? Are you confidently resting in Christ? Or are you squeaking out as many days as you can to live for yourself? Are you resting in Christ? Are you obeying Christ? Are you squeaking out as many days as you can to live for yourself? Right now, right now, today, before we go over there, or before you leave, right now, today, are you satisfied with how Christ exalting your life and your words are? Right now, are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Or are you chasing, to one degree or another, the worldly, the temporal things that will not even matter a week from now, a month from now, a year from now? The lust of the eyes, the... Um, what is it? The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, or the pride in possessions. I charge you then to be faithful. To be faithful. To lean in, to press on. I charge you to go every day to the Word. For the next nine months as we do this, this uh, plan together, I charge you to go every day to the Word. It doesn't have to be this plan, but do something. To the word. I charge you to consider the voices that you're filling your head with and the effect that it may be having on you. Consider it soberly. I charge you consider the, to consider the things in your life that are waste of time and energy and resources and to shake them off and seek the kingdom, the eternal. You're not going to stand before God one day with all of the temporal stuff. You're not going to stand before God one day and tell him about all the temporal things. 
You're going to stand before the creator of heaven and earth one day and it's going to be in the context of eternity. Live that way now. Today. And so when your appointed time finally does come, whether it's short or whether it's long, you can look back on a, on a Christ-exalting life well spent well spent, and you can finally hear your heavenly Father say, well done. Amen? Heavenly Father, let this be so as long as we have breath on this earth. God, we pray that you would use us up. Use us up. Use Christ fellowship up. We pray that you would accomplish this for in us for your own glory and for your own fame. Make us to seek the kingdom and to see the King. Lord, we also lift up our fellowship and the food that we are about to receive and we ask that you would bless it and make it nourishment to our bodies. We pray that you would take our offering to our missionaries and that you would multiply it like the loaves and the fishes in their hand. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.